Good morning, sports fans, bettors, and cappers, and welcome to the Daily Competitive Hedge Podcast. I'm your host, Kenneth Cotterell, and this show is all about sports and the world of betting. We talk about results from yesterday's games and wagers before diving into today's betting plays. Now, our episode today is brought to you by our sponsor, Bet99. Bet99 is a Canadian sportsbook and casino that offers in-play betting, player props, and many more great products. There are a variety of sports available on the website to bet on, and Bet99 works smoothly on both desktop and mobile. Their mobile app can be downloaded from the homepage of their website. Now, depositing and withdrawing funds is hassle-free with a number of well-known methods to use so you know your money is safe and secure. The website can be viewed in both English and French, and customer service is available 24-7 on their live chat option. So go to bet99.com to make an account, use promo code SHOOTERS to get started, and please gamble responsibly. You must be 19 plus years of age. So let's talk about yesterday's betting recap. We went one and two yesterday. Uh, Tough day overall. Valencia and Atletico, the both teams to score there at plus 105. That one ends up being a loser as it finishes 1-0, which is disappointing because Atletico got the goal that we thought that they should. But Valencia has 70% of the possession. Uh, They get a goal called back because of VAR. Almost had a red card as well that VAR overturned. But just a tough result to lose 1-0 when you have 70% of the possession. But we'll live to fight another day. Then we had Athletic Club first goal. We could have had them for third, second, third, and fourth goal as well. Because they won 4-0 yesterday against Cadiz FC. Uh, Minus 132 we cashed there. And then San Francisco Moneyline versus the Padres. They end up losing 6-5. to five. Clevenger went five innings with three Ks. Unfortunately, Rodon gave up that home run early on in the game. When you fall behind 3-0, it makes it tough to make up ground. And they were able to, just not enough to pick up the win. Uh, Brandon Drury with a home run and three RBIs on the night for the Padres. Now, other game results from yesterday. We had the Dodgers won 3-2 over the Marlins. Craig Kimbrell gets the W from the bullpen, and Freddie Freeman had a 10th inning fielder's choice that won it for the Dodgers. Then he had the Cardinals 13-4 over the Reds. The Reds hit three home runs, but St. Louis hit four, including Albert Pujols, who hit his 694th home run of the year. We'll see if he can get to that magic 700 number before the year is up. Then he had Toronto 5-4 over the Cubs, Yimmy Garcia who got the win, pitched two innings in relief. And Danny Jansen, he hit an 11th inning single to win it for Toronto in a come-from-behind victory. The Twins won 4-2 over Boston as Gio Ursula doubled to win it for the Twins. You had Milwaukee won 7-5 over the Pirates. This was a come-from-behind win as Garrett Mitchell hit a home run in the bottom of the 8th and Keston Hurria hit one in the bottom of the ninth. And so those home runs were enough for the comeback win for the Brewers. 
Then he had the Angels. They won four to three over the Yankees. Judge, he hit his 50th bomb of the year, and Anthony Rizzo added a home run as well. But unfortunately, Mike Ford and Shohei Otani had other ideas because they hit bombs as well for the Angels to win a tight matchup there. And then the high-scoring game of the night was Arizona and Philadelphia, and it looked like it was going to be a blowout early as the Phillies jumped out to a 7-0 lead. But Luis Ferris comes in, he gets the two innings pitched and the W, but the Phillies blow a seven-run lead. They gave up six runs in the fifth and six runs in the seventh in order to lose this game. So unfortunate result there for the Phillies who blew a seven-run lead. You never like to see that. Other headlines from yesterday, uh, in NFL action, LaVishka Chenault, he's heading to Carolina. He's joining a pretty loaded wide receiver room there as they already have DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. But this is just another weapon for Baker Mayfield to use along with CMC in the backfield. So this is going to be a good Carolina offense this year. And you had Serena Williams. She advanced at the U.S. Open in front of a massive crowd. Big A-list people in attendance, such as former President Bill Clinton. But she wins 6-3, 6-3 over Danka Kovinka. And so big result there for Serena. She said that this might be her last tournament at the U.S. Open. Everyone's assuming that it is. And so every match for her is going to be must-watch TV. One of the female goats of sports in general. And then you had the Knicks and R.J. Barrett. They signed a four-year, $120 million extension. This is going to complicate that Donovan Mitchell trade that they've been talking about for weeks a little bit. But I do think that even if they don't go out and get Mitchell, I've been a proponent that I don't think they need him and that they would be better off just hoping that R.J. continues to grow and see what happens this year with him and new signing Jalen Brunson. But I think the extension's fine. $30 million for a guy that's continuing to get better. There's nothing wrong with that. And so RJ gets his extension. Maybe that's just me being soft on a fellow Canadian, but I do think that RJ is going to be pretty good this year. All right, let's head over and talk about today's slate of games. Uh, as far as EPL goes, we got four games on the slate there. You got Crystal Palace and Brentford. Now, Palace, they blew a, a 2 nothing lead to City on the weekend. They're up 2-0 at halftime. And Unfortunately, Erling Holland had other ideas with a hat trick in that second half. So they're coming in at home, taking on Brentford, who just drew Everton. Uh, we'll have three of these games are a part of our betting card, and this is one of them. So we'll dive a little bit more in a little bit. Fulham and Brighton. Fulham blew a second half lead to Arsenal on the weekend, while Brighton, they picked up a win over Leeds, and they're actually sitting in the top four right now. So they're coming in in form. You got Chelsea and Southampton. Chelsea won a man down on the weekend, but they were able to still pick up a 2-1 to win over Leicester. And Southampton, they lost in an ugly fashion, 1-0 to Man United at home. Was not a great game to watch. And then Leeds and Everton, we already mentioned Leeds lost to Brighton and Everton drew uh, Brentford. So that's another one that we're fading today because we're not sure where to go with this Leeds team. Um, don't have a lot of faith in Everton, but after that, result on the weekend against Brighton. We might fade leads for this match today. It's also tough given it is a midweek EPL match. Uh, this is going to be a long couple weeks as you've got this. you got Champions League next week for the bigger clubs as well. Now there's a lot of English championship soccer today. you got Birmingham City and Norwich. you got Burnley and Millwall. you got Cardiff City and Luton Town, QPR and Hull, Wigan and West Brom, and Watford and Middlesbrough. We left one game out there because it is a part of our betting card today. 
Now, our betting card doesn't feature any MLB plays today, but we're going to talk about a couple of the lines there that we would be leaning if we were betting them today, starting with Cleveland and Baltimore. Uh, I do like Cleveland money line at minus 150. Quantrill's been solid on the mound as of late, and so I do like him today taking on Watkins with the Orioles. That would be one early lean that I like today. I also do like the Cubs and Jays over seven and a half today. They went, uh, they actually would have pushed yesterday with the nine line there with the five to four win for Toronto, but they're taking on Stroman. You got Gossman on the mound. Uh, I do think that one of these teams is going to have an offensive explosion today. So I do like the over seven and a half there. Then I do like Brewers run line again today versus the Pirates. The Pirates blew the lead yesterday. I think they're going to be reeling and you're going to see this Milwaukee team take advantage today. They've got Adrian Hauser on the mound taking on Mitch Kelly. So not great pitching on either side. And that's why I think that the Brewers are going to take advantage. They clearly have the better bats in this matchup. I also lean the White Sox at home today. who have got Giolito on the mound taking on Singer for the Royals. Now Singer does have a 7-4 record and a 3.15 ERA. And while Giolito's ERA is over five, I do like him more in this pitching matchup, especially at home. You do have a team that uh, has more runs per game, more hits per game. They're actually tied for first in the major league in hits. And so I think they're going to get to Singer and they're going to figure out a way to get a result here. Uh, I do like the Giants today with Logan Webb on the mound, but we're not going back to the Giants well after they burned us yesterday. They're taking on Blake Snell, who... He's 5-7, and seven and he's got an over-4 ERA, but he typically pitches better at home. So I think on the road today, he's going to struggle, and the Giants are going to get to him early. I'm going to take the Giants' money line there. And then you've got Philly's money line versus the Diamondbacks. Aaron Nola going. He's coming off a gem of a pitching performance in his last one. He's taking on Zach Gallen. Uh, I do like the under 7.5 here. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game, uh, as both of these guys have One's just over a three and one's under a three ERA. So I do think that's a low scoring game there. Now let's talk about the hedge morning plays. These are our plays for the day, the plays that we like on the betting slate. All five of them are footy plays. We've been cold on the MLB front. We're not going to keep putting out MLB losers. So while those are early leans that we had, not a far, uh, a part of our official betting card. So we're going to start with Crystal Palace and Brentford, both teams to score. Uh, Palace, I mean, to me, they're going to score in almost every match this year. Um, their attack has been great to watch. They had three against Villa, two against City. Uh, they did struggle a bit early on against Arsenal and Liverpool, but they deserved results there. They just didn't take their chances. So with them being at home today, they are going to be reeling coming off of that loss to City but I do still think that they have a lot of attacking options there. And Brentford's another team that I always like in a, in a both teams to score situation. Um, there's only been uh, one occasion this season, actually, where actually they've scored in every match that they've played this season. Sorry, I'm mistaken. League Cup action, they even won 2-0. They won 4-0 at United. So I always think that this Brentford team is there to score. And so I like the both teams to score there. The odds are minus 118 on bet 99. Then I like Fulham draw no bet today, taking on Brighton. People are going to think that's crazy given I just said Brighton's top four, but Fulham deserved that result at Arsenal. At a certain point, Brighton's going to have to start dropping points. They do not have the quality to be top four. While I think they're the seventh to tenth best club in England this year, 
I just think Fulham, they have a good opportunity. They've played a lot of opponents tight. Yes, they didn't pick up the result against Arsenal, but it was a battle. They picked up points on uh, Liverpool. And so this Fulham team really plays teams. Uh, they play up to teams. I mean, they drew Wolves and they also uh, beat Brentford this year. So I like that Fulham draw no bet plus 128 are the odds there. Um, I think they figure out a way to get the victory today. If not, and they end up drawing, that's fine. We'll take the push, but I do like them today. Then Chelsea minus one versus Southampton today. Chelsea need that convincing win, and they haven't been able to take many of their chances that they've had. It's one of the reasons why I haven't been as high on Chelsea this year, because they don't have that goal scorer up front. But that being said, they have created chances. They just haven't taken them. And I think in this Southampton game, coming off of that result against United, they're going to come in. They're going to get a convincing result. We're going to see 2-0, 3-1, 3-0 type finish here. And Chelsea, they're going to pick up the three points at home midweek before heading into the weekend. Then I do like Sheffield United and Reading, both teams to score in EFL action, the championship. It's because you got first versus second place. And, you know, they both average over a goal per game so far. Plenty of shots on target as well between these two teams. When they met back in April, it was a two-to-one game for Reading. Now you've got Sheffield United at home. They're heavily favored in this one as well. I think they're minus 189. And so I like the both teams to score. I see it being two-to-one or one-one finish here. And then to cap it off, we're heading to Italian soccer this morning as Roma first half money line versus Monza at minus 143. Now Roma, they are at home taking on this winless side and Monza, they've already lost to Udinese, they lost to Napoli, and to Torino. And Roma, they've got two wins and a draw, but they've actually only scored three goals through three matches. So I think they're due for a blowout win today over a bad side. I think it's going to include an early goal or two. Roma's like at minus 315 if we're talking just straight up money line. So I like them minus 143 this morning. So appreciate everyone who tuned into the live show today. I... Uh, Stay tuned to listen to our San Francisco 49ers preview with Patrick Graham of the Say It Out Loud Sports Podcast. Now, we ran into a couple of Wi-Fi issues, so may have some choppy audio at times, but still stay tuned. A lot of great topics talked about. Welcome back to the Competitive Hedge Podcast. It is August 30th, which means it is our 30th NFL team preview. Only a couple left to go. Now, yesterday was all about the Tennessee Titans. We had Walker Bailey on talking about a playoff team from a year ago, the one seed in the AFC. And today we're heading back to the NFC. We're talking about another playoff team from last year, a team that went all the way to the NFC championship game before falling to their division rivals, the Rams. That is the San Francisco 49ers. Now, I am joined by a special guest here today. He is the host of the Say It Out Loud Sports podcast. He was also my co-host on season one of Bets on Bets on Bets, which if you follow us on Twitter, you would see season two is going to be back every Sunday, giving you the best bets and fantasy advice for the football season. And that's Patrick Graham. Pat, how are you doing tonight? What's happening, man? I'm excited to be back. I haven't, you know, it's been kind of a long break between pods, but I'm excited for Bets on Bets for sure. I mean, I started 21 and nine last year, I'm ready to re repeat that performance and uh, get into the season. Yeah, I'm hoping to not repeat last year. I'm hoping that uh, I, I've, <laughs> I've learned my mistakes of, you know, constantly betting on the Lions. But this year, who knows? May maybe we get a couple more Lions victories. But overall, looking forward to bets on bets. But tonight's all about 
the San Francisco 49ers, and, and we're going to recap their last season, talk about the Lance versus Garoppolo, the, the Debo contract, and then we're going to get into some bets and some fantasy football. So let's recap last year. I mean, the team, they went 10-7 and seven last year, improving upon their 6-10 and 10 record from the year prior. They knocked off Dallas in the wild card round, Green Bay in the divisional round, and then lost to the Rams in the NFC Championship game. Top 10 offense and defense last year. They had seven pro bowlers, including the emergence of Debo Samuel. So, Pat, as a Niners fan, what was it like last year for the team overall? I mean, listen, if you take any team, I know a lot of people disagree with this, but if I can get to the NFC title game every single year and, you know, be happy with that, not winning a Super Bowl, I'll take that, nine, you know, 10 times out of 10. Obviously, I want a Super Bowl tough ending but last year was crazy i mean i had them preseason i had i had big hopes for them i had them losing in the nfc title game but i had them losing to the packers so they went about as far as i expected them to but the road getting there was definitely not as smooth as i thought i mean you had roller coaster season it was very entertaining the season they had i mean you look at they started two and oh and then week three you had the game against the packers um they Kate had to come back down 17-0. Garoppolo puts them in position to win, and then Aaron Rodgers rips their heart out. And that started the four-game losing streak. Obviously, Garoppolo gets hurt at halftime of week four. Trey Lance comes in, loses that game, starts against Arizona. No offense. We lose 17-10 to that game. We, we sat at, I think, two and four. But then they would always, right when you thought they were about to be dead, they would pull out some wins. They had a big win against Cincinnati. They went 2-0 and against the Rams. So, I mean, they went 3-0 and in the regular season against both teams that were in the Super Bowl. So, they show up in big games, and then they lay eggs. I mean, they had a, a really bad loss against Indianapolis. Um, they had a bad loss against Tennessee. So, it was up and down, but entertaining to say the least. And if you remember Week 18 against the Rams, in a must-win game, they fall down 17-3 to at halftime. They get the ball back down 7 with two minutes left, no times out. No timeouts. Garoppolo goes down, throws a touchdown with 20 seconds left to keep him alive, and then they win it in overtime. So, I mean, the entertainment level is huge. I mean, playoffs, you had the snow game in Lambeau, and somehow we pulled that out. I don't. I left my brother's <laughs> house. Third quarter, I was like, I got to change venue. So I went home, and they somehow, you know, they blocked a punt and won the game and all that. And then it was an entertaining year. But um, as a fan, last year is a win. To get to the NFC title game is 100% a win. And that's just, that's how I feel anyway. Yeah. And, and obviously down the stretch, I mean, when you win six of eight to, to get into the playoffs, because we're talking about a team that was below 500 at four and five and looked pretty dead in the water at that point. And then they go in and pick up some big wins down the stretch. And as you said, beating the Rams twice, I mean, that's huge for, for any team, uh, especially since they go on and win the Super Bowl. So they went out in the offseason, then they brought uh they went out and drafted Drake Jackson out of USC. Uh they did lose Mostert. He decided that he was gonna head over to Miami instead, where it looks like he's not even gonna be the starter, but he will play a bigger role now that Sony Michelle got released today. So what do you make of the offseason? To me, it's kind of like they just stood put stood put and this is just what they're gonna be just like last year. Yeah, the move there wasn't a ton of moves. Uh Tart they let Tart walk, which I know as a fan, like I don't blame him. Obviously, he dropped the interception in the NFC title game. That would have sealed the game and probably got us to a Super Bowl. So a lot of people were salty on him. I thought he played great most of last year. I mean, our defense, like you said, top 10. So I, I was sad to see him go. Um, and then DJ Jones and Tomlinson both left. But Mostert wasn't – he didn't play last year. 
Um, we got Elijah Mitchell. The running backs is just a rotating door. Jeff Wilson Jr. is still there. He's I feel like he's been there for like 20 years, but <laughs> he's the Perry Ellis when Perry Ellis was in Kansas for the basketball fans out oh, there. But God. the Perry the two Ellis. biggest the two biggest things, obviously, like you said, was the Trey Lance Garoppolo, you know, when what's gonna happen and then the Debo battle, which I'm glad they sorted that. But the the Garop the decision to move on from Garoppolo is just I've been saying this for a while now. I think it's the wrong move. I think Garoppolo gives him the best chance to win now. I think Trey Lance was a good, it's a good project, but I think he needs another year to dial in his mechanics, man. You look at, you watch the, I know it's preseason, but you kind of judge quarterbacks off their throws. Obviously Trey Lance has the arm strength. He can throw the ball far. He's athletic. All that is, all that's there, but his timing's not there. His timing's not there and his touch on the ball is not there. Um, so we'll see. I'm hope I'm wrong. Obviously, I'm a Niner fan. That's one of the two teams, you know, in major sports is Dodgers and 49ers that I'm going to stick with forever. But I just I hope I'm wrong, but I just don't see it this year. And we'll get into the Garoppolo thing a little bit more, too. But I think it's a big media thing. Media is telling everybody Garoppolo is overrated. But the fact is, he's got the team to a Super Bowl and an NFC title game in the last three years. So. We'll see. I hope it pays off. I trust Kyle Shanahan, but I just don't see it. So we'll, we'll have to win games on the run, run game of defense, like usual. But those yak yardage, which I'll talk about in a minute, I mean, that's in recognition with accuracy on a quarterback. Yeah. I I think we're in the same boat on the Jimmy G train. Um, it does feel very media-driven that, oh, you have to move on from Lance because – Jimmy couldn't get it done like he's somehow been this massive failure over his time in San Fran, which couldn't be further from the truth when you look at just the last couple of years. I mean, he misses one throw in the Super Bowl and everyone kills him for it. Like they didn't play a great 55 minutes of football and, and then they ultimately end up losing the game to Kansas City, who was a great team that year. Um, so for me, I, I agree. I think that they should have stayed with Jimmy for one more year. Um, but it looks like they're going to be keeping him as the backup. He has the no trade clause. It's going to be a one-year deal. Looks like he's going to be free agent next summer um, or next spring, I should say. Um, So it looks like he'll be probably wanted by quite a few teams when you look at some of these quarterback situations. So given that, given the Debo contract as well, we might as well get into that as well. I mean, it was a, a whole ordeal over the offseason, and he wasn't the only wide receiver. I mean, Terry McLaurin had a little bit of an issue there in Washington. A.J. Brown, we saw him get traded on draft night because he had uh, some issues with Tennessee and them not paying him. So a bit of a, a roller coaster offseason just from an offensive perspective. So what is it mostly about Jimmy for you that, that you would have liked to see him for one more year? And obviously, he had the connection with Debo last year. That's a big reason why I think they should have him for one more year, but it looks like they're going to go with Lance. So, so what are your thoughts on Jimmy Lance situation as a whole? Yeah. I mean, like I said, you know, about the being in the Super Bowl, being to, you mentioned they were, they, they had a 10 point lead in the Super Bowl against Kansas city. And obviously they choked that away. He missed the one throw. I mean, he probably missed a couple, but the big one was that deep shot. But I mean, if you look at him historically, the big reason I was okay with, I wanted to draft Kyle Pitts over Trey Lance. I didn't want to go quarterback. I wanted to pair Pitts and Kittle, which I still think would have been crazy. But uh, his injury history was like the only concern I had was drop because every other year he was hurt. So obviously that's a big concern. But if he's healthy, he's the best quarterback on our roster. I still believe that. I mean, you look at his career, his numbers, he was sixth in completion percentage last year. He was second behind Joe Burrow in yards per attempt. 
first in yards per completion. His yak yardage, which I know they always paint this like, oh, it's because of his weapons and Debo and Brandon Ayuk and Kittle. You still have to be an accurate quarterback. If you don't put the ball in front of the receiver, they can't run after the catch. So he would, it's timing. He would do the play action turn around. He know exactly where he's going with the ball. Obviously, Trey Lance will get that at the more he plays. But to say Jimmy is just not good is just a lie. It's just period. Uh, basketball percentage and target. Uh, throw the ball in target. He was second in both categories. The only person ahead of him was Joe Burrow. So you're mean to tell me we're going to move on to a second-year quarterback off of all these stats and expect Trey Lance just to come in and repeat it. So I don't know. I, like I said, I hope I'm wrong. I hope Trey Lance dials it in, just, just delivering strikes on the dot. But I'm glad they kept Garoppolo around because if something happens to Trey Lance, at least we have that. And I think, you know, with obviously Trey Lance has to use legs a lot. So, I mean, injuries happen. So we'll see. I'm glad he, uh, Garoppolo didn't go somewhere and – uh, we're just left out in the dust with the back of quarterback, but we'll see yeah, what happens. I, I think that's the big, like, there was a lot made of, oh, well, this this QB situation, like, oh, San Fran, they might as well trade him to Cleveland or trade him to this situation. And it's like, well, but why why do that? I mean, if Lance does struggle the first four to six weeks with a team that's in win-now mode, there's nothing that says you can't say, you know what, you might not be ready yet. We're going to go back to Jimmy for the rest of the year. And I know that's a tough decision to make when you're going to be going – kind of flip-flopping on who your quarterback is. But, I mean, if Lance struggles and they start the year two and four or one and five, like there's no reason that they can't go back to Jimmy, who's a guy that's proven that he can win in the league. So I'm glad that they didn't just move on from him outright. And I think let him sit behind Lance. If an injury happens, you still have the quarterback there. You're a team that's got a chance to get into the Super Bowl once again, especially in the NFC this year. I mean, once you get past the Rams in Tampa Bay, there's not a lot of other teams that you're really sold on with Green Bay with the lack of weapons. Dallas, just mentally, Dallas can't get over the, the hump. And then you've got San Fran right there. So there's nothing to say that they can't get back there with Lance or with Jimmy, but you might as well make sure that you're going to get back there by having both of them on the roster. But a hundred percent. I mean, the roster's there. I mean, like we said, there's not, there wasn't a real big turnaround. It's the same system they've been in. Evo's back. They got that deal done. Kittle it seems to be fully healthy again. He's usually beat up at some points in the season just because of his physical play. So if Lance can just perform, like you look at guys like Justin Fields last year. This is basically, you know, this is Lance's first. It's basically his rookie year. He was last year, and his, he, he didn't do well in those games, in my opinion. He was 50% completion percentage. He did beat Houston in week 15 or 17 last year, but that's Houston. Everybody beat Houston. So if he can maintain around 60%, I'll expect him to be as accurate as Jimmy Garoppolo. But if he can be somewhat capable, 60, 62% completion, and have that threat on of his legs to, you know, use him correctly. And, you know, I want him to still look the throw, which it seems like he's doing that. But we'll see. They're still going to be a dangerous team. They're still going to run the ball very effectively with Mitchell. And he's got the weapons. So, I mean, like I mentioned Justin Fields. Like, I think they're pretty similar. But you look at the roster of the 49ers have against the Bears and the Niners' weapons are just far superior. So, I mean, I expect way more than 60% completion, 155 yards per game. He's got to be up there and just – we'll see, man. They're in a tough division. they got to play the Rams twice, which we've won, I think, the last six regular season games against. But Seattle somehow sweeps us every year. And if that happens this year, I'm just going to – you know, last year I hate Seattle. Seattle sucks. The whole city sucks. I'm going to re, re – I'm going to drive that point 
whole all season. So, <laughs> well, and that's the thing is like you talk about how good they are, and clearly Vegas thinks the same thing because the over under win total sitting at nine and a half, but the overs minus one fifty two. So the fact that this team won ten games last year, they're anticipating ten or more once again this year. The under sitting at plus one twenty four, and so when I went through and looked at the schedule. Division-wise, I think 500 might be like worst-case scenario. I know you talked about Seattle sweeping you guys a lot, but you should be able to sweep them this year. And if you have the luck against the Rams that you've had, even if you split with them and lost both to Arizona, you're sitting at 3-3 three and three right there. So I think 3-3 three and three is kind of worst-case scenario, more likely 4-2. and two. And you look at the rest of the schedule, and especially early on, there's not a lot of tough games in there. You've got the Bears, you've got Carolina, you've got Atlanta. Now, you do have to play the AFC West. That's kind of the tough part. Any any team that drew the AFC West this year is going to be in for some tough battles. But then you throw in Miami, you throw in Washington, uh, and there's a lot of winnable games in there, New Orleans as well. So I think that the schedule is definitely there for them to finish 10 wins or more. I don't know if I like them enough to pick them to win the division. Um, I would have been a bit more sold if this was a couple weeks ago because there was the whole... Well, Stafford's dealing with some shoulder tightness and whatever else, and so maybe he misses a game or two, and that's enough for San Fran to win the division. But I don't know if I'm prepared to go that far with it. So what do you make of the over-under win total, and what do you think the chance of winning the division are this year? Yeah, I, I looked at the same thing. The schedule is really off to start. You guys, like I said, Bears, Seattle, Falcons, Denver, Rams, and Panthers. I think at the very worst, that start is 3-3. Three and three. The Denver Denver's going to be tough. It's at Denver, I believe. And then obviously the Rams. I think the Panthers could be a, a sleek, sneaky, dangerous, you know, a game you're not going to get up for, but they could be. They got some good weapons on offense. And then to start the Bears game, I mean, Bears looked okay. You know, Justin Fields' second year, it's a, it's it's going to be a test game. Like if Trey Lance comes out and shits the bed week one, people are going to start panicking all right because Jimmy's there. So, yeah, honestly, before, before Garoppolo restructured his deal today and is staying, I was going to say under. I was going to say it's going to be bad. Like, Lance might struggle, but they have nowhere to turn. So, I was going to say nine and eight was probably where I was putting him at. But I think now that Garoppolo is still there, I'm going to say, I would say 10 and seven is a realistic one. Week seven through 13 is a tough stretch. They got Chiefs, Rams, then a bye. Then they got the Chargers, Cardinals, Saints, and Miami. And I love Miami this year. I was big on them last year. Obviously, they started one and seven, but I think with Tyreek and all them, I think they're dangerous. So, they got a tough schedule in that midsection. So, they got to get off to a good start for sure. I think 10 and 7 is their ceiling, though. So I wouldn't, like you said, I wouldn't be comfortable betting it. I'm hoping for 10 and 7, and then that might be enough to sneak them into the playoffs. So we'll see what happens. I, yeah, I couldn't get myself to bet that under. Like, like I, there's no scenario where I could see myself feeling comfortable, even at the plus money, betting them to only win nine games. This is one that I'm less sold on than maybe some of the other future bets as far as these over under win totals, though. So, it's one that I would probably stay away from. Plus, when it's minus 152, I mean, I, I don't see a lot of value there because if if you do run into the quarterback issues early on, knowing that later in the year you're going to have to play KC, Chargers, Tampa, Vegas, like th- those are a lot of tough teams. And Miami as well. I'm high on Miami. I think they're going to be second in the division and maybe a playoff team this year. So I think we're kind of on the same page as far as the bets go. Now, the fantasy football side of things, there's a lot of draftable players on this 49ers team and and Trey Lance, he's coming in as quarterback 13. Now, a lot of this is just projecting that with these weapons, I think he's going to 
he's going to be solid in in year two of his career. Now he's ahead of Derek Carr and he's ahead of Kirk Cousins. He sits just behind Matthew Stafford and Aaron Rodgers. So he's kind of in between a bunch of veterans. And I think he's the highest ranked second year guy. And a big reason why, as I said, is because of those weapons. So does he have that top 10 fantasy quarterback potential that we heard even from Prez earlier in the group chat? Or or what do you think he's going to look like in his second year? Yeah, I think on a points per game basis, I think he probably would be a top 10, top 12 guy. I just don't see him playing the full year, honestly, with Garoppolo there. I think there's going to be a point in the season where they're going to have, they're going to do some weird stuff, and I think Garoppolo is going to get some playing time, whether it be an injury or uh, just to light a field, you know, light a fire if they run into trouble. So I won't count on him playing the full season. I mean, I just I just don't see it happening. So I think 12 is fair because you got to take that into consideration. I like two ahead of them fields. Kirk Cousins, I like. I know his legs are a big reason why he's that high. Yeah, but I think they're going to rely a lot on the run game. I don't think they're just going to be out there airing it out, and I think teams are going to be ready for the legs a little bit. I mean, he reminds me a lot of Kaepernick, so they have the tape tape on him. He throws 100 mile an hour fastballs, then he runs. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see, but I think 12 to 15 is probably where he probably lands. So it's probably accurate. I don't think he's going to be a top 10 guy this year, though. Last year I said uh, Jalen Hurts was going to be a top five guy, and everybody screamed at me, but that ended up happening. I think he was five or six. <laughs> And that's the thing is, I think if you draft Lance in fantasy, you can't just, you you have to draft somebody else with him. Like you have to draft Derek Carr, you have to draft Cousins, you have to draft yeah. these guys that are in that range because look, he maybe he has that upside of maybe finishing number 10 in fantasy, but he also has the potential, as you said, of not playing some weeks. And you probably don't want to go onto the waiver wire and be like, oh, I hope that this is a good Matt Ryan week, or I hope that Baker, you know, he plays well against this team. Like, you'd be better to just snag the cars, the cousins, the Staffords, and then taking Lance is kind of an upside pick. Now, Elijah Mitchell being the running back one there, his ADP, they've got him kind of going late fifth round. He's in that running back range of a lot of question marks, I think, because he's with he's with CEH there. He's, he's with AJ Dillon, who's technically 1B probably in Green Bay. He's with J.K. Dobbins coming off the injury and, and Antonio Gibson, who before the Brian Robinson stuff yesterday looked like he may not even be the starting running back moving forward. So I think he's he's appropriately rated just because there is always the injury concern. But I do think that if he plays the full schedule, then he's going to exceed all those guys that I just named. So what do you think of Mitchell from the fantasy perspective, especially given, you, as you said, San Fran's probably going to be a run and defense type of team this year. Yeah, I mean, when he was healthy, he was a monster. Like he's, they just run so much that it just burnt, wears on their body. So he didn't catch, he didn't have a ton of catches last year. I think he had 19. So if you're in PPR, like you might want to, I think there's certain guys out there. Like, I mean, but like you said, everybody in that area, JK Dobbins, if he's healthy all year, I think he could have a monster year. But it's all, it all comes down to health with Mitchell. Like you said, if he plays a full season, I think he could be a top 10 running back. I think they have that type of offense where they're going to get a ton of touchdowns. And the other thing, if 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 uh, Lance does become, you know, say he plays all the games, he is going to steal some touchdowns from Mitchell because he does use his legs. So that's something you got to, you know, put in mind too. So I think RB15 is probably where he should be. I don't know, you know, what rank him exactly he's at. But in that, in that 12 to 18 range, I think is where he probably will finish. But I can see him finishing top eight even. Especially in standard scoring. If it's not PPR, I think you can have a really good year. Yeah, standard-wise, I absolutely love Mitchell from that perspective. And even half-point PPR, like once you get yeah. into full point, there's going to be those 
people are going to love CEH just because he's there with Mahomes and and Dylan's going to get some catches from Rodgers and stuff. But um, I still like Mitchell from a from a fantasy perspective. Now, the wide receivers and tight ends on this team are getting drafted pretty high. I mean, we're talking about Debo Samuel. He's wide receiver eight, so his ADP, he's kind of going mid-second round right now. Um, he's just ahead of Mike Evans and A.J. Brown. He's just behind C.D. Lamb and Tyree Kill. So I'd be thrilled to have Debo as my wide receiver one. I don't know about you, but I think if you get Debo there, you're definitely not going to be disappointed. So what do you think of uh, where Debo's going in drafts? I think he's a little high. You mentioned Mike Evans. I think that's a safer play with Tom Brady and the Bucks offense. They're going to be they're going to be good. I just don't. I, I I love Debo. He's you know I think he's probably my favorite player, but. With Lance at quarterback, obviously, you know, he's going to have to get him the ball. And he already he came out and did say he doesn't want to do the whole running back thing. And that was a big part of his production last year was getting playing out of the backfield and getting those handoffs. Like, I know he, he probably will get a little bit of run, but I know that was part of his contract dispute. He didn't want to sign if he was going to be used like a workhorse running back and a receiver and a quarterback and, you know, the whole thing. <laughs> so I think there's a couple guys out there that are um, – a little bit better at that spot. I'd rather wait on receivers. Receivers are super deep in fantasy this year. You can get a guy like Christian Kirk, who's the number one in Jacksonville, I think, and he's going to get peppered with targets. So I think you you got to go running back in the first round when Debo's going, you know, first two rounds. So I'll probably snag him in one of my lower buying leagues just to have him so I can, you know, have a little bit of Debo. But where he's projected ahead of those guys like Mike Evans and stuff is, is a little high to me. Same I mean, with Kittle. I think, I think Kittle's probably – rated he's he's dropped i mean before he was like top three tight end and all this but i think he's probably six or seven of the tight ends now they got like dalton schultz ahead of them and things like that so i think he's a little properly rated but debo's too high in my opinion i mean the issue too with taking debo there is that you are probably in the range of the kamaras the saquons the javante williams too and and i'm a big believer in running back running back start just because once you get past those first couple rounds, it gets pretty sketchy running back wise. So the fact that I can wait another round and, and get even like the T Higgins of the world, I, f- I feel okay doing that. Ayuk, um, as far as the San Fran offense goes, he's kind of going in that eighth, ninth round range. He's in the Alan Lazard, Tyler Lockett type range, which feels about right. Um, Lazard, we're still not sure. <laughs> I mean, Rogers may think that he's, think the world of him but the fact of the matter is is he going to be able to produce like Devonte? no he's not and so yeah um and Lockett, he's in a, a geno smith situation and he i said it on the seahawks preview that i think he could be a trade target for a team kind of around the deadline there but um iuk i feel okay from the fantasy perspective taking him kittle i love drafting george kittle i mean i'm i'm always uh i like to get tight end if i can if i don't get one of those top four or five guys then I completely punt it down the road because I'm not really interested in getting into the into that wasteland of tight ends that you have. So I've got Kittle as tight end four right now, just behind Pitts, Kelsey, and Andrews. And he's slightly ahead of Waller, and I think that's about right, just given that Waller – I mean, Kittle's been hurt too, but Waller's had a bit of an injury issue. So I feel comfortable drafting most guys in the San Francisco offense, and I think they're going to have a good season. So – Pat, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Uh, where can the folks find your work at home? And what would you consider a successful year for San Fran this year? I think a playoff berth for me is going to be a successful. I, I really I like postseason football. So missing the playoffs is always uh, – I went through. we went through a stretch for a while, you know, where it was misery. 
But yeah, if they make the playoffs and are in in a playoff game, I get to watch a football Sunday an extra week and root for them. I think that's a win for me. Uh, Trey Lance, you know, obviously, I hope he shows some development, and I think he will. I'm just, I just think, like I said, I think he needed one more year, and then I would have been sold on moving off Garoppolo. But and it sounds like they're setting up nicely to do that with the restructuring and all that. So, but yeah, I mean, we're gonna be ramping up, like you said, bets on bets on bets will be coming up. I'm gonna start. I think I'm working on try to do some articles on either fantasy or another you know portion of bets some gambling wise um so it'll be all on off the ball network.com so we're going to ramp up this year i know everybody's got a lot of content plans so check us out there and uh yeah we'll be back awesome thanks so much once again for coming on man and appreciate everyone who tunes into our show every single day drops five star review on apple and spotify helps us grow the show and, and we look forward to more nfl talk we got two more teams to go uh, we got the Steelers, and then we've got the Washington Commanders. I almost had football team. And so uh, really looking forward to both of those, and we'll see you guys tomorrow for the Competitive Hedge podcast.